it's time for Dr. Lisa Gives a Shit. Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa. I And I give a shit. I give a shit. You know what's awesome? This is so... I love the debates. I know, like, that's probably, like... I don't know if that's... I don't give a fuck what you think about me, all right? I just love them, and I'll tell you why. I love them for the entertainment value. I kind of wish it was a reality show, and but in a parallel universe, not part of my life. But isn't it crazy? No, no, you're the puppet. No, you're, you, you, you're the puppet. I want to be the puppet. Anyway, I think it's hilarious. Um, So that's what we're all thinking about right now. I'm trying to get into your consciousness a little bit there. Uh, because we have a very uh, special guest on today. Uh, we have artist David Kramer, and uh, David and I made a big push to get you guys to listen. So shout out, shout out to LMAK, Bart, Bart, shout out to Bart. But before we get started, I got to tell you about this. Um, I got to tell you what's going on at the station, which is so amazing. It's not even what's going on in the station. It's going on with the entire the entire building, because we used to be in the basement of um, a bike shop, and now we are still in the basement of the same building. We are taking the whole building over, and we also have a record store. This record store is incredible. It's um, called Secondhand Records, and um, brand new, and you can see it from, you know, it's it's the storefront, and um, they have Every kind of uh, records, new and old, 45s, LPs, and 12, 12-inch singles at, you know, our local crazy low Bushwick prices, and um, all sorts of vinyl dance hits. If you can dance to it, we sell it. So, or actually, secondhand records sells it because I mean, on paper, it's two separate businesses. Just so you don't get confused, or it's just so I don't get confused. Okay, enough about that. Let's get to our guest, David Kramer. Hello, David. Hi, Lisa. How are you today? You're nervous, right? Uh, yeah. Sure. Are you? I'm are always... you really nervous? Well, it's funny because I here. Will you will you plug into your phone again? Because I I already went down. I can't find the information. Because I want to tell everybody about. Um, your exhibition that's opening tomorrow night, Friday night, and the opening is from 6 to 9. Um, David will be there. I will be there. And everyone, everyone who's anyone will be there. And it's at the LMAK Gallery, which is in the Lower East Side of Manhattan at 298 Grand Street. Um, and uh, let's see, what else can I tell you about it? It's going to be a really great show. Um, I went and I saw it yesterday. I got a private pre. That was a private preview, right? That's right. Uh, and uh, I met the uh, with the gallerists um, and uh, David, and he showed me um, the exhibition, which is um, really amazing. Well, thanks. And uh, so um, we knew David was going to come in today, so we wanted to get prepared. I needed to. I needed to know what we were talking about here. Um, We'll talk about that in a minute, but first of all, if you if you know me or David at all, you know that we have hosted many things together, right, David? Yeah, we uh, we're like a team. We are like a team. <laughs> we are like a team, like a really dysfunctional, like team, a dysfunctional right? team, right? Right, like I sort of get a taste of what your wife Susan goes through. I think maybe a little bit, maybe not quite, because right. you have she's you know 
She's your yeah. She really knows. I I got to get some more tips from her. But anyway, um, and I also know your your son, who's who's my hero. He's yeah. going to be performing. Con- Let's make this all about Martin. That's what I was thinking. Oh, that makes it easy, and then I'm not nervous. <laughs> and you're not nervous because Martin, David's son, has also been on this show, and he's also interned for me on this show. Um, is a budding comedian, and he's a. Is he 16 now? Yeah. He's doing yeah. a show himself on uh, Sunday at uh, Gotham Comedy, Comedy Club. Club in the Kids afternoon. for Comedy. And it's at 1.30? One I have it on my uh, calendar. 1 o'clock. 1 o'clock. I'm going to be there. 23rd I've got, Street. I've gone to see uh, Kramer's Kid Martin a bunch of times. He, I mean, he's been doing comedy, seriously, since he's 13 years old. And there is nothing quite like, if you like comedy at all, there is nothing like watching kids take doing comedy seriously and have it pr- have a practice skill at it it's craziness right david well you're used to it by now right he's got a uh, certain uh discomfort level that makes that in his delivery that is uh pretty great it's irresistible yeah he's a little bit of an evolution of you right <laughs> yeah. we got to say that right i he inherited the uh, my dna of being uncomfortable in his right. own skin right without what without ha- but having the great parenting of you and Susan, That's who encourage right. him in every way creatively. Uh-huh. And also growing up in New York. David and I are very jealous of his son, right? That's right. We are. We're envious of him. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm just trying to talk about Martin to, um, to um, diffuse your anxiety. Here's the thing. Okay, I don't really know how David feels right now, but I just want you to know what, what my experience of working with David is. The very, very beginning stage of it now probably won't last very long but the very beginning stage of working with david is like usually we're like say hosting a benefit thing and the you know and uh i'll make all the arrangements because you know i'm the people you know i do that whatever i'm the organizer you're the alpha i am i don't know i don't know david you're like kind of the the the, like the stealth i'm the the beta you're the you're the manipulator you're the manipulator behind the scenes that's right i'm working for you but it looks like you're working for me maybe that's sort of i'm not sure yeah so david's agreed to do it and then when it comes time to get up in front of like you know, a room full of people that we know, like a large room full of people that we know, artists who, um, you know, are there for another, you know, not just to see us. Uh, and we've got a job to do. And then David gets like ridiculously nervous, ridiculously. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't understand how you can. He's great on stage. I don't understand how you can be nervous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what the worst was? The wine tasting. Yeah. <laughs> That, that was, was insane. That was the worst. That we had a, uh, I had built a wine bar and we did a wine tasting and W H I N E, but real yeah, wine. Yeah, that was <laughs> but, David's idea. Of it. it was David's thing that we were doing together. That and was it, a fun show. We did it. Uh, Catherine Mulherin. Catherine and we had. Um, I had gotten a couple of cases, uh, about four or five cases of. Uh, cheap Trader Joe wine and made my own labels and just stuck them right on top of the uh, on their wine. And we had a whole wine tasting around these uh, Trader Joe two-buck chuck. Is that the part? You know what, David, right now I'm thinking about all the times that you alone have done stuff where I've been there or that we've done stuff together. And to tell you the truth, the level of anxiety that I've witnessed from you (laughs) is just going through my head and it's all... You know what the worst was when uh, you did... Didn't you do something when Larry and I hosted... Larry Walzak and I hosted a show? 
Anyway, I just want to tell you something. I have worked with all sorts of performers, you know, and David, um, who is is very talented, uh, just has a level of anxiety as if he was um, going to be the star of a um, Shakespearean show at the public theater. I had a... I, I had a really bad traumatic experience in high school doing oh. our high school play. Oh, really? That's we, interesting. We had done Deliverance. That was the show. That That's was. so dark. <laughs> what kind of fucking high school was that? No, I'm just just joking. Oh, uh... you're joking. See, that's why he's nervous. But anyway, David, so so how do you feel now? Are you nervous? I'm, I don't think you're that nervous. I'm loosening up. Yeah. 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 Where, where's that anxiety come from, David? Uh, you're now on my psychotherapy show, yeah. so I'm gonna I'm gonna drill it now down. I'm on the couch. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't uh, particularly uh, enjoy uh, being looked at. Well, you're not. <laughs> I'm not even looking at you. You know that. I know. It's is good to it, be on the radio. That is helps. the radio easier? Yeah, it helps a little. Why? Bit. What happens when? Is it just? Do you think it's like a biological type of self-consciousness? Uh, no, but uh, I had a... Um, but part of it you love. Come on. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. I love every every minute of the anxiety. But uh, I had a... Um, as a kid, I was... Uh, I'm totally dyslexic. I couldn't read. And so whenever we, I was called upon in uh, school, I always made horrendous mistakes, you know, misreading everything. And I was... I, I didn't take it well. But... Uh, but... I seem to t- I seem to perform well under this kind of because I was always sort of a cl- class clownish kind of guy. People like enjoyed the uh, my mistakes. So. <laughs> so yes, I roll with it. So but, yes, yeah, but maybe that's why I've been traumatized. You have been traumatized. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. That's why I like being an artist. It's nice because you can put all your work up on the walls and walk away and. Uh, have people not really look at you, but look at the walls. That's kind of a comforting uh, way, yeah. of, as opposed to being a performer. Well, it's funny. I mean, I do see kind of a thread between you and Martin. It's like mm-hmm. you have this kind of love-hate relationship with being being the star, really. Mm. No, right? he has no problem with being the star. He's very comfortable with a microphone in his hand. He's just not comfortable answering the telephone. Uh, well, you were saying he has... <laughs> you mean the, uh, the uh, uncomfortableness is all character? Yeah, I think so. He is really... Oh, he is, like, really amazingly confident, isn't he? I think he's pretty comfortable with the whole... But, but then he the seems like he's not. Yeah. Yeah, like when you talk to him, but you know underneath that he well, is. Well, if you talk to him, you know, on this, if you talk to him... He doesn't make eye contact, so it's <laughs> so it's hard to tell how comfortable. That's he is. true. Have you ever spoken to him like Martin? How come you don't make eye contact, or are you just letting him go on, go on, whatever? Well, like no, let him. He's getting better about that. Do you so. put pressure on him to make eye contact? No, you know. I okay. just, I just. Tease you know, him. he's like a teenager. Yeah, I just. That's te- normal. I just tease him. I don't. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, okay. There's no pressure. Just, uh, you know. Let you try to make him aware of it with letting him still be who he is. Yeah, sure. Oh Jesus! See, I hate. I'm so jealous. He's got like the, like <laughs> sensitive parents. He's so fucked up. <laughs> I know we're robbing him of like a entire Trauma. volumes of good comedy. If only like his, you know. He had worse a worse upbringing. He would have so much material. So, do you like the idea of uh, that? I that we're both like sort of. This is what would. This is like like group therapy where you would be like we're both deflecting, talking about you and your. your yeah, I like yeah. it a lot. Do you? <laughs> let's not even talk about anything else about me. Let's just talk about. Uh, so okay, let's go. Let's talk let's, about let's, the election. Let's talk about the. Um, <laughs> 
let's talk about the show. Okay. Uh, so, okay. Um, here's what happened yesterday, and I'm going to like try to replay it just a little bit so that we can start from there. So I went over there 11.45 before my, uh, in the Lower East Side before my eye doctor appointment, and uh, I uh, experienced the show, which is an experience. It's not just like, it's in a whole, in, it's an environment, an installation. It's not just like, uh, you know, looking at paintings on a gallery by any means. Well, I mean, let me just say that um, the gallery... Uh, LMAC has the whole building, and the top floor of the building um, was is really not uh, gallery space. I think eventually it's going to be an apartment for the people that run the gallery, Bart and his wife, Lukey. But um, they decided that they were going to do some uh, projects in there, three, and I'm the third of the projects. So it's a really unusual space. It looks size-wise more like an apartment than an, than an art gallery, so... Um, yeah, and it has the vibe of an apartment. Yeah. Um, um, so, uh, but anyway, when we when I was there yesterday, um, I we were looking at the work, and um, for the purposes of this radio show, it's kind of like I want to um, drill down into like your feelings about having the show and um, your feelings about making the work. And stuff that um, won't, but we, okay, you know what, here's the deal. Just go to the Facebook page that I made and look at the work. If you want to look at the work and have a bigger <laughs> understanding of, of it, and then I can just uh, harass David yeah. with trying to uh, 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 screw around in his psyche. What do you say, guys? It's like talking about uh, food on the radio. Like, yeah, you know, it is a little bit. You're kind of deprived of smell and taste and sight, but uh, mm. we're going to talk about it anyway. Okay, so I'm going to tell you my reactions to you, David, to your reaction, yeah. to your your feelings about how I see you, how, how I see, how I feel about how you feel about the show, okay? Well, let me just say one thing. Yes. That is, just uh, for anyone, listen, listen we decide, I decided when, when Bart, and I were talking, he knew that I had done a lot of installation work, uh, built furniture and uh, light fixtures, things like that, that always were parts of my uh, work when I would do an installation of any kind, paintings or drawings on the wall. There would always be these furniture pieces. And when I went up there and saw the space with him, we first talked about it, I immediately was like, well, I, this is going to be a pied de terre. This will be like my, you know, um, like I'm going to pretend like this is my apartment that I'm going to outfit and that was sort of the way I initiated the project. That's how it got started. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and uh, it sort of took a left turn or a right turn. At some point, it, it, it didn't turn out to be like my apartment, but, uh, you know, my dream apartment. It's, but it did kind of take on, that was sort of where it, it gets, that was the launch of the whole project. So, Well, the thing that's sort of interesting <laughs> about it is that it really is kind of, uh, is a character study a good word? Or is that it's it's kind of like you invented a character that has that has made all the work. Is that a good way to put it? Well, uh, in the process of making sort of outfitting this with stuff that uh, I would like to have in this apartment, I made a video that uh, is about which is like I play the protagonist. I'm the only person in the video. I'm it's about me, but really. I hide behind the character in the video. Once you turn on the camera, I am not David Kramer. I'm Dave. And, and so, yes, the apartment turned into Dave's apartment, basically. 
Right, which is obviously an extension of you. And um, I guess what was sort of interesting yesterday was that there was a certain, we keep using this buzzword vulnerable, but um, the work seemed a lot more, um, let's say, um, emotional or less, it just seemed more vulnerable. I don't know. I wish I, I wish I, I wish I had a better word besides saying the V word over and over. <laughs> oh, the V word that already leads us to something else. Because yeah. Trump's running for president, <laughs> and I'm actually wearing this T-shirt. Shout out Spencer that says, "What does my T-shirt say, David?" <laughs> I can't read it. Oh, it says something about. There's a picture of. A oh, don't grab my pussy. It's, oh, don't it's grab my, my pussy. pussy. It's, 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 it's too much machinery in front of you. It's arm. Don't grab oh. my. Thank you, Spencer. But so anyway, um, so it's really funny because it seems to me, David, that by sort of, I'm going to use the word hiding behind this character. Uh-huh. You were able to make, make. Your, your expression, both in the video, in the whole, the whole, the whole kit and caboodle of it—the video, the installation, the actual. Well, there's the thing. Like when I started to uh, sort of outfit this apartment with stuff, like I wanted to have this sort of. I built like a wood stove and. And which actually never made it into the show. Yeah, and, you made and, a lot of work and that made, is not in the show. And I made this like stone wall. You worked wall. really hard on it. Yes. And then I wanted to have like this, uh, this, this really, uh, I wanted to have like a tiger skin rug that would be in front of the fireplace. And uh, I was, you know, I didn't want to just go out and buy a tiger skin rug. I felt like I should make it. I wanted to make everything that was in the room. So I started to figure out, like at first I thought maybe I would make the rug out of sand and just do it, you know, on port. Somehow I decided Port that... Port sand? Port sand. And then I decided that I would just... Uh, that was one idea. And mm-hmm. then I decided to do it, make hook rugs. Like, I thought maybe I could just make a rug. I thought I, I'd seen hook rugs around in, like, my aunt's house. I kind of knew what that process looked like. So I decided I would make a hook rug. And I just watched a couple of YouTube videos on how to do it and bought some burlap and some yarn from Michael's and... Just went to town making this tiger skin rug. And that kind of got me, well, kind of like into it, like hooked into this whole thing. So I started making all these hook rugs. And then when I made a video, it was kind of like this sort of Bob Ross joy of painting, like how to YouTube video on how to make hook rugs. But that really sort of turned into this very, I think, dark and funny kind of like uh, video uh, as a, I, the problem with these YouTube videos on how to do anything is that, which you said you watch a bunch. of I right? watch them all the time, like how to like you know do something on my computer. There's never there there's this sort of blandness to them, and there's no humor to them, but they're kind of funny in a way because someone sincerely is making a video trying to help strangers learn what they know, and so I kind of like uh, started decided to make a video that was kind of like that but it was like uh here's the guy explaining to you how to make a hook rug but here's uh there are things about him that he's going to tell you that you probably shouldn't know and so personal things and that's sort of where the, that's sort of why the whole installation became this sort of darker and more funny kind of installation because once that video kind of uh materialized then the whole show just sort of took this whole giant 
left turn, and then mm-hmm. uh, then it became vulnerable. Well, well also, <laughs> there's also, I mean, also, I mean, from talking to you about it during the, I mean, you know, uh, we 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 talk regularly, we see mm-hmm. each other. Uh, I would say that um, you felt connected to this work in a in a real in a pretty meaningful way, and that you felt like it had really pushed your I got really work. In, I for, got really into making your, hook rugs. Yeah, <laughs> but you also felt like it pushed your work into a new level, right? You had said that. Well, you seem really enthusiastic I, about it, that, I, which is, which is what every artist wants to yeah, be doing. Yeah, a different. I got into a different place. Like I mm-hmm. left behind. There is no. Like drawings, there are no drawings and no paintings in this show. And that is essentially like when I first, you know, that is really where I started as an artist, really was making drawings. Well, where I started was making drawings and sculptures and paint, sometimes paintings. And I had gotten into this place where I was just making drawings and paintings and then having some objects or installation mm-hmm. elements. This show is completely installation elements mm-hmm. and video, and that and it was uh, dispensed with text, which is something I've yeah, been doing a lot. I know of, there's no text in it. Dispensed with imagery, imagery, um, except for the tigers. Well, That's, what's really powerful is the aesthetic, which is yours, which is something you really have created and owned throughout all your work. And um, you kind, it's kind of interesting how strong it is without having any of your usual. Um, t- tools, right? Um, Thank but, you. you but know what? I know the other thing I have to say though is that's funny. This is my show, David. I'll do the. T- <laughs> I'll tell you when you can talk. Okay. Okay. But I. Okay. Go ahead. But the only thing that that is funny is that uh, it was, you know, uh, it it was really I had not that I had gotten um, bored or I just sort of had been making a lot of drawings that were I had gotten to a point where. I knew how to make what I was making, and that was really that became exciting, and then that became no longer exciting. Mm. And so I was really in this very big kind of conundrum about a year ago, mm-hmm. trying to figure out what how to sort of wrestle with my work to take it where to another place. And at the same time, like um, I didn't have a venue, a gallery, a venue, a place to do a show. I, and so that's like a really tricky business in the art world is to sort of like try to mm-hmm. try to uh, yeah. reinvent yourself when you don't have someone to sort of... Especially if you're a really good artist with you. a legitimate career like you, David, yes. Yeah, yeah. so, <laughs> I, you know, I was like, I, rolled it, I was rolling the dice pretty hard. And, uh, and when Bart great. approached me and asked me to do this, his, you know, suggested that I do something with the room, with the rooms upstairs, I, uh, I said yes. And then things started to kind of like fall together. Well, you know how I see it, David, in a way, it's like, I think that you're always open to stuff like that. Like you're always looking to, um, push your work and push everything and you're open to like opportunities to show and stuff like that. And I think that like, if you're open to those things a lot, like this was just kind of a really perfect confluence of uh, circumstances and events that um, led you to making something like pretty fabulous. Um, But you know, my my work has always been about sort of vulnerability or self-deprecation. Yeah. And you know, I keep thinking about what's really interesting about, can we call this character? Can I just talk about him? Like Dave, Dave, yes. Cause Dave is, Dave is an ex- is is different than you, but he's he's part of you. But here's the thing about Dave that I that I'm thinking about now that uh, kind of c- occurred to me. Um, I think in 
the work that you do, and I understand that to some degree because I I'm I'm the I like I like my self deprecation too. It's mm-hmm. fun. Yeah, you're good at it too. Well, no, but I mean it's a defense. It's a defense, and it's it's also a way to be intimate with people and be defense at the same time. Right. So, um, what I think I think that um, there's sort of like if it was real, if Dave, like if Dave, there's something. You, I think you're dealing with expressing yourself and not trying to make people feel sorry for you. Is there anything in that? Does that make any sense? Well, yeah. I mean, I never, uh, you know, this is the other thing. Like, I've made a lot of videos over the years. And then in the last, like, five years, I've sort of stopped making my own videos. I was just making videos with a friend of mine, uh, my friend Doug Magnuson. And he was the one who edited this with me and shot it. But it was like my script and everything. Anyway, the long and short of it is that like the videos were always informative to the self-deprecating work because I always was comfortable with being myself in these videos as not myself. It was a character that I was playing. So I was able to step outside. And that's really (laughs) what I did with this character in this video. It's anything I said, there was really nothing to link it to reality except it's still me without a costume on, basically saying, uh, acting in front of a camera. So it is uh, the only costume really is the camera. Right. But what I'm trying to, um, uh, what I'm saying is, what I'm trying to get to, Dave, mm-hmm. David, yes. is that um, I think that um, you wind up, there's something kind of funny in that you wind up feeling sorry. Uh, they, let's not use the word vulnerable an, anymore. Let's just, or not, not use it. But let's just go there and say, um, in all honesty, the Dave character sort of pathetic. Yeah, well, <laughs> he's not just vulnerable. He's he's like pathetic, yeah. and um, he's the kind of person that um, you know, you kind of you feel sorry for him, sort of. Yeah, you feel sorry for him because. He wanted, this is my feeling about Dave, Dave, not David, Dave. Um, Dave wanted a lifestyle so badly um, that he couldn't have and doesn't really exist that he just kind of wound up living in his own lonely, sad world. Does that make sense? Yeah, and he built all his own furniture. (laughs) Well, in my fantasy, Dave you know, bought all that. <laughs> yeah. No, but the the idea really is uh, behind the videos that I have made in the past and this one. Only this one is different because there's really this Dave as opposed to me. But um, yeah, but, uh, you know, there is always this idea about this um, idea that, listen, I became an artist and like it's sort of like that uh, sort of American dream kind of thing. Like, OK, I'm going to be an artist and I'm going to work really hard and then it's all going to work out and I'm going to suddenly get out of my financial disaster of life because it will all finally stack up and turn into a glorious art career which never you know it's like i'm always waiting for the rocket ship to launch that's the uh that's the joke in this one in this video like uh my thinking was when i was making it was i had to i am now no longer trying to be an artist i'm trying to be a youtube celebrity i've already abandoned so funny so now i'm trying to be something else like i'm trying to be like get my own youtube channel 
And so that, to me, was even more pathetic and more tragic than, than not making it as an artist. I've already abandoned being an artist. Now I'm making hook rugs. <laughs> so funny. It is. It's just so... I mean, it's great. So it's I, so good. I, to me, that was really... I, I pushed into... Like, no longer was this about the shattered American dream. Now it's like the dream is over a long time ago. And now it's like plan B, uh, hook plan rugs. Plan B, <laughs> hook rugs. And like... But, you know, I love I, the show. The video is called Hooking Up with Dave. And it which sort is, of paints this idea that, like, you know, you're going to watch this thing. And it's about... I was... When I told people, advertise, you know, wrote on Facebook that I was having a show called Hooking Up with Dave, I had a couple of people say to me, so what is this about you, like, dating or something? <laughs> this is like your new, like, secret life of dating and doing something. And it was, uh, you know, I was like, no, no, this is a different kind of hooking up. This is like... Literally you know, hooking yeah, up. This is just hooking up with a uh, yarn and a uh, hook. <laughs> Station ID. Yeah. Radio Free Brooklyn. Dr. Lisa talking with... Artist David Kramer about his uh, show that's opening tomorrow at LMAK Gallery in the Lower East Side, 280 Grand Street, I think, right? 298. 298. Oh, 298. Thanks for getting that. Between Allen and Eldridge Street. There. Um, so come and see it. It'll be open until how? It's open until what's the closing? Like another month? Yeah, it'll be, be open, open for... until December. Uh, it's open for six weeks. Uh, I, I don't have the date in front of me. But, okay, um, six weeks. Starts tomorrow, six to nine, yeah. and it's open through into just into December. I'll put it on. I'll put it on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So you can see. So anyway, um, so it's really funny because so do, do you do you? I mean, so where did I mean? It seems like you've always been um, sort of working with this idea of. Um, you know, this imaginary life. Right. Well, I mean, sort of, yeah. Like I said, like I've always made, when I was making videos in the past, when I was making drawings in the past, there was always like this first person singular way of writing on my on my paintings or drawings or with a typewriter. It's always a narrative about uh, me, but I mean, it's really, I've never, I've always felt like the product of my my product is always a distilled version of me. I've never taken it that seriously that mm-hmm. I'm exposing myself. I've mm-hmm. always felt like I was hiding, like I said before about being kind of nervous and putting the art on the wall and walking away. I was always feeling like I was hiding a little bit uh be or I was sharing too much, but it was or sharing too little mm-hmm. as my discretion in my mm-hmm. distilled way because what I was saying was a uh, fictionalized version of my own life. That mm-hmm. was really what it was. Mm-hmm. And Dave, the Dave character, is fictionalized version of my own life, but probably not that far. Well, off. your father, <laughs> your father was a lawyer, right? That's right. So, I mean, some of the expectations that um, you must have um, seen growing up probably didn't fit in with how you're what your yeah. interests what your what your career goals were right there must have been some tension there right there was a, uh, yeah i that 
uh, my father's expectations for my life fizzled sometime. <laughs> in, in so he was school. really disappointed in <laughs> he you. He was incredibly no. My father passed away years ago, but uh, yeah, my before fa- I've known you, right? Yeah. No, but I how was, old were you when he died? Were you in your twenties? Were you growing? Yeah, up? I was in my. I was twenty three or twenty two. I mm-hmm. was. In, you were. I was still a student in graduate oh, school. Oh, okay. But uh, and he literally. Uh, he dropped dead on his way to work one day. Okay. And that was that. But horrible. Uh, but um, so he wasn't sick. He was there no. the whole time. That wasn't part. But of he it. was like my. Uh, I, I'll just say that like my my father was a guy who grew up in Brooklyn and uh, was the son. He was the first person, the only person in his family to go to college, and he went to Wharton Business School, and then he went to Harvard Law School. I didn't and know he that. was like a total. He was graduated like number two in his class wow. from Lafayette High School. I didn't know a that total. Like, incredibly, like, school was, like, easy for him. And I picture him in a suit, right? Yeah, Brooks and Brothers. Scare- maybe was, a little intimidating? He was a very heavy, fat guy who smoked cigarettes and drank, you know, Scott bourbon all the time. But he was, uh, but he was uh, you know, he was, uh, he thought... An achiever. That I was supposed to, you know, he and my mother, who was also, grew up in Brooklyn. She was not born there, but she grew up in Brooklyn. They... You know, moved to New Rochelle. We were, they moved to the suburbs. They had a pretty, uh, they worked really hard. They both had jobs. They worked really hard. My father had a f- law firm that he started. And his idea was that I was going to go to University of Pennsylvania, <laughs> Harvard Law School, and take over his law firm. That was the plan. But I was a terrible student, and there was no chance of any of that And happening. did they, I mean, you're obviously, you know, it's it's this dyslexia. Did they were they just frustrated? Did they blame you? Did they? And I mean, I I know also that I mean just 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 to close the loop a little bit. Um, that Martin also your son had dyslexia, which yep. you yep. guys have worked out. And no, my son has but, the same issues that I had as a but kid. But you guys were able to understand that times have changed. You guys were really on top of it, and it's everything's really pretty great with him when i was in, uh, even though we had the same must have been healing for you on some level oh, to watch very, that right to be able to fix that for him right it was it was no when i was in like the fourth grade we i went down to uh we went down to nyu uh rusk institute they had some tests done the doctor came out he says to my mother you know well your son is does dyslexia he you know uh that's why he struggles in school and um there so my mother said basically, well, you just try to do the best you can. That was, you know, I was plopped back into the elementary school and continued through school. And I, you know, I did terribly. And I was very, also was, you know, very, I had a whatever kind of attention deficit things mm-hmm. that my son had. Mm-hmm. And I just sat in class, never mm-hmm. really learning anything except mm-hmm. drawing in my notebooks. Mm-hmm. I just drew pictures all the time mm-hmm. and never paid attention. Did your did your parents punish you or look down on you? Did you feel like there was criticism? My father uh, and mother never uh, looked down on me, so to speak, but I could always sense this horrific disappointment that my father had. And at one point, like when I went to college, mm-hmm. I went to college and uh, I studied. I was going to go. I went to George Washington University. I was going to study law. I thought about that for, 
And I was taking art classes and getting good, you know, really loving how, it. How did you get to study law if you were like, I did was, you figure well, out was, how to cope with your, I was did studying, you figure out how to cope? Is that it? I didn't go to, I it was undergraduate. I didn't go to law school, but I did like, you know, I was like taking economics and business really? classes. So did you learn how to cope then? You must have, right? I was, uh, I coped, but I was doing very badly in school. Okay. But I, my grades were horrific. And okay. I was, at one point I realized that like I wanted that if I had to spend the rest of my life doing something, I should do what I like to do, mm. which was the art. So I basically, uh, went, I was the beginning of my, the middle of my junior year, and I went back to school after Christmas. I saw my grades because they were mailed to me at school. Mm-hmm. And then I changed all my, I became an art major, and then I told my father. And mm-hmm. he and I ceased to talk to each other. for. So he stopped uh, talking to you? For about a year or so, yeah. Wow! He did was, did did so did you guys have a big fight, or did you? Did... We had an enormous fight, but mm-hmm. uh, because were they paying for college? He had always said to me that he would pay for. He was going to pay for college. That was like a big deal to him. And I said to him, "You don't have to pay, but I think you should." And he said, "I'm going to pay, but I'm but you're going to have to take the LSAT, and you're going to have to go to law school after you get out of art, after you get an undergraduate." And so I appeased him said i would think about it work on that and then i graduated and then i we had another big fight Mm -hmm. and i mm -hmm. went to pratt for um graduate school and uh he he uh i then he you know he was he was i mean i was lucky he they he was successful he's able to pay for me to go to school but i paid everything that i everything Mm -hmm. else i paid Mm -hmm. he paid my tuition Mm -hmm. i paid Mm -hmm. to be there Mm-hmm. So when he passed, um, where was your relationship? Well, was it... it was actually a very funny uh, thing because, first off, when it came down to the, we had a big argument when he asked me to take the LSAT, which I ended up taking, and he wanted me to apply to law school. And I said, listen, I don't want to go to law school. And he said to me, you can go to any shitty law school in the country and you can still come and work in my law firm. And that to me sounded so horrible. I just said to him, did you hear what you just said? You went to Harvard. (laughs) You want me to go to any shitty law school? It sounded like a total, it was so pathetic. So he stepped back and then I was, you know, this is a funny thing. This is a very funny story. It's not funny, but it's very coincidental. Uh But my father, I went to Pratt. I was there for two years for graduate school. The first year I got a job working for an artist, this mm-hmm. woman, and mm-hmm. then uh, we worked for her. And then in the fall of that year, she had a show. And my father had started to soften about mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. And on Halloween night uh, mm-hmm. of that year, my second year at Pratt, she had an opening in a gallery in the East Village, and he came to it, and she told him what an amazing assistant, great artist I was going to be, blah, blah, blah. And my father sounded legitimately impressed. And then on election day, five days later, he died. And uh, that was, so I guess he was proud of me at that point. Yeah. I don't know. So are you, yeah, I mean, I guess um, it's so something I, that you have to, to hold on to. But that must have just been awful. It was awful. Um, okay, so we're going to change it. Let's but, do a station ID because I feel bad. I feel like it's upsetting. Yeah. Look at this. Let's, Look at what I did here. Oh, my God. Okay, so anyway, you're with Radio Free Brooklyn, and uh, I'm talking to David Kramer about his show coming up at LMAK. Um, and um, we're, we're uh, you know what, I, you know, it's funny, David, because 
Um, it's a kind of shit that, you know, um, society, it's something that women, it's something that we all deal with, which is society. And I think a lot of artists have this, like society's expectations of what you're supposed to do. Right. And I think that, you know, I mean, as far as your dad goes, he was just worried about you earning money and shit like that. Well, it's funny because I have two sisters and my father never asked them to be lawyers. And they both, I think, felt absolutely uh, angry at it. <laughs> oh, isn't that interesting? So what you just said, really, I, you can talk to them on your show next time. But uh, <laughs> So you think... <laughs> I can't speak for them. But were I, they, did they do well in school? I was going to ask well, you about my, them. Uh, my older sister is, you know, she's she's a scientist. She's she's really was a great student. She was, came easy. Uh, she's a, she was, she's very... She didn't have dyslexia, she basically. Have, yeah, she's, she's smart. She's mm-hmm. great. My younger mm-hmm. sister... Uh, you know, she she. Um, I think she also had some dyslexic problems, but she's uh, she was not into school in the same mm-hmm. way. But school was easy for her too. School was easy for mm-hmm. both of my sisters. Mm-hmm. So that must have been really frustrating too. Yeah. But um, I think that um, you must. How do you like? I mean, I think that the life that you've created for yourself is pretty remarkable. Do you feel like that? Yeah, do, no. do, when you were when you like you, there's sure. all this patheticness, but when you really stop and think about it, no, you, I, when I made that decision, he's not really that pathetic. When folks. I made that David decision, Kramer is not. Pathetic. No, when I made that decision years ago that I was going, you know, I wanted to do what I wanted to do with my life. I've never looked back from that. You know, I loved being an artist. I loved everything. The only thing about it is, you know, the you know the the idea that like the middle class kind of aspirational thing is the only mm-hmm. missing link to, to the thing right <laughs> right but also like i think if you hadn't i mean what's really interesting too is that you really stood up to your dad you knew what you wanted and you you know you were your own person and i think in a way he he must have taught you that too and that is that is yeah. a pretty fucking awesome quality that will get you through anything, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, ironically, it took me to be like a junior in college to finally have the medal to do that. So and, that's, you know, you know but, that's uh, pretty cool. I think a lot of people but, yeah. would not be able to do that. Up until that point, I was very passive about the whole thing because I, I, you know, I didn't think that my father was unhappy. He seemed happy. I just mm-hmm. I thought that his life seemed good for him. It just wasn't good for me. A lot of it is, seems about materialism, too. Did your uh, parents have a lot of material goods, or is that part of it, or am I reading well, into that? Well, I mean, I, that, you know, like in the show, to get back to the show, mm-hmm. like in the show, like there is sort of this, uh, f- like I built this sort of faux stone wall and this kind of fake pool table, you know, like it's, uh, they're not fake, it functions, but, you know, like I built the trappings of like what, you know, the kind of things that. I had, my friends had, people had in mm-hmm. Westchester when I was mm-hmm. growing up right. in New Rochelle. You know, it was like the middle-class suburbs. It was a time when people could live pretty well on a middle-class mm-hmm. kind of salary. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but, you know, I'm not that obsessed with material things. You're not, no. But uh, I'm obsessed with the idea that, like, uh, you know, I need to get a job, like, next week. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to pay my rent, uh, you know, on my studio. <laughs> that, you know, that, that I'm obsessed with. Right, right. Practical, Practical things. things. But do you find like <laughs> a lot of, like that. but it's funny. So like, because, so you see a lot of, I'm guessing you see a lot of hypocrisy in, in like how people, it's kind of a suburban hypocrisy like that a lot, a lot of people see or people well, from art. I mean, I have friends who, uh, you know, I have, I do have friends of mine mm-hmm. who went into their father's businesses mm-hmm. and those friends of mine have not suffered 
any economic. They have very different lives. Than mm. they, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, I I've seen it. I've seen uh, people make livings, good livings, but you know, I don't really. Uh, I I I don't feel like that is the thing that. That is part of the character that I have created. Right. This character that is like um, really uh, is, is totally aspirational right. beyond my aspirations. I, right. I'm, I'm pretty content with what. Yeah. I, I get that feeling. Mm. Yeah, but I mean, it's really funny. It's human nature, isn't it? It's like if you're like, say, you go to um, like you're in some kind of festival or some kind of art fair. There's always like a better party or a better and and I've. Yeah. I've read things where, you know, like, um, you know, the cele- you know really high-level people feel the same way. Like, there's always a better party than the party you're at. I right. mean, that's a cliche, really. Everybody always wants, uh, you know, you know, it's like the idea is like if you ever, if, you know, I this is a funny thing. Like, I feel like if you ever do get successful, you're always going to be wanting to be more successful. Exactly. So you're never content. I, I mean, agree. That's yeah. the, uh, the opposite of the American dream. That's the other reality of American society. We all want, we all expect that we should get, be, live the, this dream, but this dream is insatiable. Totally. So. But yeah, totally. And then like the people. That's peop- why we all want a big gold apartment like donald trump i know i know it's so funny or like and i think that's why people who have nothing vote for guys like that because they think that they think think that might bring them a step closer to getting it yeah i think you're right it's a total hypocrisy and they actually get to be in the room with him they probably fantasize they're going to meet him like they're at a rock concert (laughs) they're going to get on stage with you know (laughs) axel rose or something Uh, so so let's talk about how you feel about like the opening tomorrow do you want to talk about that have you thought about that is that a good thing to talk about or is that just going to make you more are you anxious or thinking about it should we talk about that is there a topic you would like to talk about uh well you know the opening is going to be a lot of fun but the funny part is that the um the the room the two the rooms that i outfitted with my work are on the top floor of the gallery and uh it's uh you know it's a small kind of kind of funny you know old school old school tenement style kind of not even tenement style it's just this funky old building i don't know how much i'm going to stand around in the room with the work uh, it's uh, because it's on the top floor they have a little backyard i'll probably be out there oh they have a backyard I'll be out extra in the back. bonus I'll folks be out in the i'm back glad i asked drinking beer and smoking cigarettes you know? that's probably what you're going to do <laughs> Yes. Yeah, probably. So if we don't see you in there, find me in the backyard. Yeah. You'll be in. You'll be in the backyard. So this is like the perfect scenario for an art show. You know, I don't have to stand in the room with my work even. Oh, yeah. So, um, do you think you'll be making any more uh, hook rugs or anything? Like, you seem to really like it. Is it? Did that? Like, that's that's kind of a funny thing, isn't it? It's a funny thing. I really have to um, digest this uh, moment here because. Um, you know, this, it really was, uh, I, I kind of threw myself literally into this, I threw myself into this project, and the project, I just followed, like, one right. thing after another, right. and all of a sudden I had, like, a bunch of these rugs that I had made over the course of, basically, the summer, mo- mm-hmm. a few months, like, and now I'm kind of, like, not sure if that's, is if this is what I want to roll mm-hmm. with, and it's part of me that has, like, another video idea to continue with this. Dave character. Ah, uh, interesting. But, yeah, I could see uh, that too. But then I also kind of think like, why don't I just sort of? Um, there is a. 
I'm talking to someone about doing an installation project again mm-hmm. in March, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of thinking hopefully I can kind of ride this wave of following one thing after another mm-hmm. and see where that takes me by March, mm-hmm. another four mm-hmm. months. So. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I also, you know, I was also thinking it might be good to talk about your relationship with the gallerists and how helpful that can be because um, you talked, you know, like I said, I've known you throughout the project pro- process and you did ha- you did work with Bart a lot, the gallerist. Uh, it was interesting because um, I, I think it was I think I think that um, it's a good example. I just want to put it out there. And you tell me, but I think it's a good example for all us art people how having somebody like a gallerist or a curator or even just, you know, somebody besides you who who has more of a, a business, a work relationship, not so much a personal relationship, um, can really help your work and help you grow. And I think that happened there. Do you with Bart? Well, it was an interesting thing because, um, you know, I we I never I I didn't I knew his gallery just a vaguely they moved to this new building there's the building they're in in December I liked this physical building I went in there I liked the shows I and at some point he and I struck up a conversation about something and uh, they have on the second floor of the gallery they show a lot of uh, one of a kind things like furnishing furnishings yeah, cool, or funny lamps stuff. Yeah. or now they have some children's toys oh, that were awesome. made by artists anyway this month or original this, very original very original. like amazing so stuff so because i had made these aspects of installations i got into this conversation with him about lamps and about things that i've made but not really even trying to push it i was just talking to him about how unusual it was cuz the only place i'd ever seen anyone kind of trying to show this kind of, like, uh, these kind of projects was at, like, Moss, which was an old store that was Oh, yeah, so, you showed stuff there? That's No, great. I never showed stuff Oh, but you were Moss. thinking but, about, like, that was an example. people who made, like, one of a right. kind or limited, right. limited editions right. of certain things. And I started talking about that, and he said, well, why don't you, you know, send me some images of your lamps and chairs, and I'd be interested in, you know, talking to you about it. I sent him some images, really. I People say all the time, why don't you send me some stuff? And you do, and then they never write you back. But he corresponded with me with an email. We told me he liked them. And then he said, how about we do a studio visit? He came over. I had a bunch of furniture. We started talking about paintings. And then a week, you know, a week later, they had an opening, and I was over there at an opening, and he said, let me come back. I want to show you something. And a couple of days later, I went up to the top floor, and he said, how about doing a project? It was very fast. Well, it was very not, na- you know, it fell together in natural. a very natural, organic way. I that, mean, he, it turned right. out, knew my work. Right. You know, I mean, I didn't know mm-hmm. if he knew who I was when I was standing there mm-hmm. showing, talking to him upstairs, but he knew my work quite well well it fits in perfectly and, uh, with what i've seen there and so. so we um but what the funny thing is like i said before like when we first started talking about this project i was like in the back of my mind even when i showed him the paintings in my studio in the back of my mind i was like this is what i'm doing right now but i'm not really sure about well, what i'm doing you mentioned something that you had and he um, seemed very patient yeah he didn't care 
you know. He seemed, seemed to just believe was, in the work or your aesthetic or what it. you were yeah, doing. He yeah, he was into it. But you also, he, I think he said something. You would, We had a little chat yesterday about um, you had a nice chat or a helpful, he said helpful things after you showed him the video or it kind of was a turning point for you or something. Do you want to tell well, us? That was, well, that was the other funny thing was like, you know, he and I started talking about this project. Uh, so then I sort of pitched him. I said, well, let me, you know, I pitched him sort of like what I was thinking. And what I was thinking was a much more kind of like aspirational kind of room. Like it was going to be like this sort of like the pied de terre, like the sort of kind of nice in a way. And then, and, and then he, you know, he went to Europe cause he's from Europe. He spent most of the summer, August away. I didn't talk to him for a long time about what I was mm-hmm. doing, but at some point, before he went away, I started showing him these hook rugs. I showed him a tiger skin. He was into it. He thought it was pretty wild. He thought the hook rug thing was really great. And he kind of said, like, uh, you know, he was talking to me about my shows, and he said something about, like, oh, you're going to make a video, right? Because he had seen some of my videos. And that I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to make a video. So it kind of, but so see, that that's, was, that's you know, the organic, that's that the organic was the sort of nature. Organic that, that's, but I, see, that's what's so great. when he came so back great. from Europe, I, like, the, I had made a video, you know, months, you know, like a month, two months had passed since a visit, since any real concrete conversation. All of a sudden I had this whole other show with a video and all this other stuff. Uh, and all the it sort of went from being this aspirational thing to this losers uh, like man cave and uh instead of a pied de terre it's a man cave on the third floor it but is. uh what happened was he was uh, he actually wrapped his head around it right away and yeah we talked about the project as it was in front of us not what it could have been or should have been or what we had we talked about what i was doing and uh yeah so that that was where it was really helpful because he completely was involved in the work in the moment of what i was doing and uh you know i had um i had this idea about building this big round kind of hefner bed you hefner kind of round bed and doing something with it, and with Bart, and you know, and he and I talking about it, the bed went to being this sort of like, there's a bed in the show, but it's more like a cot. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it is. It's really funny with, the, with the bedspread. It's pretty tiger sad. bedspread. You know, like it's the opposite of the round bed. It's the exact mm-hmm. opposite. It's mm-hmm. like a, it's like a futon on the floor kind of thing. And uh, you know, that was really a great. Yeah. Uh, that was that. That was where his uh, real. Uh, the the well, you know I got out of my own head and, yeah. and talked to somebody who was didn't have an agenda but, but went but went with it so that's why uh, well it was, it was really also great. like got it and and was you know had a it was encouraged encouraging but not encouraging to encourage you just in just by yeah, the fact it. that he got your work I mean most encouraging. art dealers at some point or another you know are going to sit there and it, if they want to they like talk about the work that they know that you've done and they think there's a, they, they can sell it or there's a, he, there was none of that kind of conversation. Yeah, I don't get about, any like, of that. Yeah. There was none of that like. It was uh, really about the work. It wasn't about the the marketing. Oh, well, well, not I'm the market, the sales know, aspect. It was really. There was another, another little interesting thing about him just to tell you. Is mm-hmm. like, we have five minutes all left. Right, but so. he had a summer show. Uh, yeah, that you were in. That I was in and it was a works on paper show. And I've, I've shown in New York tons of works on paper, sold a lot of work. You know, I have a whole sort of thing. And I'd also built furniture that had this, like, sort of weird cardboard uh, bark. They looked like logs. 
And he was like, let's show the logs. I don't want to show your drawings. Everybody knows what your drawings look like. Let's show the logs with the bark on it. That'll be part of your piece in the works and paper show. And I thought that was a much more interesting sort of generous way of dealing with me, with my work than I had expected. So that was what, that was really a positive. Another, yeah. So um, I just think it's really a great point to, sh- to note, note that like how, like we all look, like how it's always good to get other input. I mean, it's great yeah. if it's the gallerist. That's I, sort of ideal, but it's it's, it's not it's, always common. That I've had some great dealers no, I've worked it, with, and I've worked with some nightmares. I mean, and you can work with a great dealer that won't necessarily um, get involved or forward your work or do true, any true. of that. That happens. But a lot. it's so it's nice when that happens, and I think that really happened here, and I think that's why the show is going to be really is really special. I do. Oh, that's nice. So you know what? We have four minutes left, so let I want to go like through the details again, and and um. So how do you think this went, David? I want to know why you're on the air. What do you think? Are you going to be nervous about... See, this is what I said to David in the beginning. I know how... This is what I imagine he's going to do. He's going... Like, when this is over, he's going to be going, I didn't talk about that. I should have said that. I can't believe I talked about my father. Father... Was that too much? <laughs> Should son, I brought that up? My son's so, going to be so embarrassed. Your son? Yeah, we're promoting a show. We're promoting the Gotham Comedy Club. Right, kids Come and on. Comedy. Kids Sunday. and Comedy, Sunday, Sunday, 1 o'clock, Gotham Comedy Club. I'll be there. So um, but so, so, what do you think, David? Is there anything like you were like, oh, I shouldn't have said that, or I wish I'd said that? Are you thinking that, do you think you're going to be nervous later, or you think you're going to be uh, chill well, with this? No, what do you think? It'll be, I'll, you think it's good? I'll listen to it in a week. In a so. week, and then, and then you'll just... <laughs> and then I'll probably wish that I... Um, yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It was great. Thank you. No, oh, it's no. Fun to be on <laughs> it is. I know. It got a lot heavier than I expected, did yeah, it? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. All right. That's okay. That's okay, though, right? Yeah. It was like a therapy session. I, oh, man. I feel much better now. Do you feel better? Yeah. No. Really? Well, yeah. Okay. I hope I, feel- I hope I didn't upset you. I. You know, it's interesting, though. Uh, that little story about my father, though, just one thing is that he re- he really did die on election day, and that is always this time of year is oh, always weird. Bizarre. He so died on election day. It was an off election. It was a midterm election, and, but he still, was, yeah. It's, he so a, it's like there's a lot. It's an off. It's an unusual day. There's always a vibe in the air, right? Yeah. So we have two minutes. Let's go through like where the show is and when it is, and and mm-hmm. get through the d- details again. Okay, the show. Say the name of the gallery. The show is called Hooking Up with Dave. It's at uh, LMAC Gallery, L-M-A-K Gallery on Grand Street, I think. I don't have the address. It's 298 Grand, I believe, between Eldridge and Allen. And the opening is on Friday night, October 21st, between 6 and 9. Mm-hmm. And uh, will... and and if they don't get to see it, then the show is open and for sh- six more weeks. And what are do you have the gallery hours? The gallery is open uh, Wednesday to Sunday, uh, I believe, noon to six every day. Okay. And um, Sunday's a great day to go to galleries. Sunday's isn't the it? best day to go in the Lower East Side. Yeah, that's, go down on Sunday. That's the best. Good. And uh, it's a it's a great it's, date too because it's like really cheap. It's free. Yeah. And then you know you you know you get to like talk about the art. It's kind of very touchy feely topics. The and then are, you can uh, tell you can tell are, your girlfriend the story about how the artist was almost crying on the air, and <laughs> you know show how sensitive you are as a guy. This could totally work for yeah. a lot of guys. Uh, yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. You know. It's worked for me. I mean. Obviously. 
Obviously. Well, you know, um, I'm really excited about um, being at the opening because after seeing the work and now talking to you more about it and seeing the gallerist and the whole thing behind the scenes, it'll be extra cool oh, to thanks. see everybody yeah. um, in the room and see see the reaction too. So I feel like I'm I excited. Get, it's a fun. Get it's to a share really, in that a little bit. Yeah. It's a really. Uh, it, it is a kind of like one of those like meaningful shows that yeah i got that i got that yeah so i'll tell you about it next week folks